There are certain skills, critical skills, that you need, that we all need, not only to get ahead in our lives, but also to ensure a successful path forward for our children and for the survival of our constitutional republic. You're listening to All About Skills, where we discuss the eight critical skills you need to succeed and how CEOs, placement directors, executive recruiters, and career-minded individuals utilize them to propel themselves to a higher level of understanding and achievement. Get ready to learn, master, and excel with your host, Charlie Jett. Thank you, Anne, and welcome to It's All About Skills. This is a series of programs where we discuss the critical skills and their application to the real world. My name is Charlie Jett, and we're coming to you from our studio in beautiful downtown Chicago. I'm an internationally certified coach, a career coach specializing in career management, skill development and career crises. And we have wonderful guests uh, today. Natalie Cordone and Kevin Kelly are professional performers, having performed for over 20 years off-Broadway with major symphonies and in television and film. In 2018, they were tired of witnessing universities churn out students, many of whom had incurred six-figure college debts for their four-year performance-based degrees. And seeing these young people with immense talent, but struggling with the business of the performing arts, motivated Natalie and Kelly to found a connected performer in Orlando, Florida. It is through this entity that they apply their own talents and experience as musical theater career coaches. Their goal is to help professional triple threat performers connect to their talent, their scripts, and the performing arts industry. And they are successful. They radiate enthusiasm, confidence, and a true knowledge of the performing arts in education. So welcome, Natalie and Kevin. It's a pleasure to have you as our guests on It's All About Skills. Well, we are happy to be here. That is for sure. Thank you so much. And hey, first, uh, Tell us a little bit about your backgrounds, each of you, and then what led you to a career in the performing arts. All right, Natalie, go ahead. So I originally started as a dancer when I was three. I was one of those kids who their mom put them in, you know, a tutu very young. And I absolutely loved it. Um, so I started dancing and did all the way through elementary school through college. And I didn't really find my voice as an actor and a singer until much later, certainly than Kevin did. Um, I started acting and really professionally singing in my high school and college years. Then once I uh, graduated from Wake Forest, I went and got my master's degree in acting. From there, I was a young artist with the Orlando Opera and then moved back into my love of musical theater. I had always wanted to combine my dancing with the singing and acting, which is what brought me back to the stage in a way where I could, um, could do all three. And after I moved to New York, I found that there was an element of the business that I hadn't been taught along the way. And that was that you have to run your acting business as if you are the CEO of your own company. So I started um, learning much more about how you become what I believe is a true professional actor which is that you are not only incredibly skilled 
and have a lot of talent, but that you also are able to navigate the business in a way that you would if you were in any other industry. Um, and along the way of the last umpteen years of my being a professional actor, singer, and performer, I met Kevin Kelly, and uh, that's a whole other story. But I think you should get to know him first <laughs> before, before I tell you how we met. <laughs> okay, okay, Kevin. All right, so my trajectory, I guess, was a little different than Natalie's. I am the son of a preacher man, and I've been on stage and singing since I was a kid. Uh, we jokingly refer to ourselves as the Kelly family singers or the Kelly family choir. So, <laughs> you know, I've had a lot of experience with that. And uh, my need or love to be on stage just grew from there. Um, so I, I've traveled, I've lived in all four corners of the United States and points between and performed in all of those places. And I finally settled here in Orlando, Florida, where I did meet Natalie. Um, it was a wonderful experience. And we did find that commonality where we, A, love what we do, and B, really saw uh, a gap from what these kids are experiencing when they graduate from college. So I think that's uh, kind of where this all started. How did you meet? Natalie. Oh, geez. So we met, we met in an audition, which is where everyone that's a, a professional actor meets everyone they know, I think, and at least in the industry. So Kevin and I were auditioning for what ended up being a, a seminal event in our lives. Um, we were auditioning for a show called The Musical of Musicals, The Musical. It is a brilliantly written show, and it was the regional premiere and we both got cast in the show, but um, I will never forget Kevin's audition. It was so brilliant. And out of the, you know, words of people that were there, he was just such a bright shining star of a person that I knew that I wanted to be friends with him. Um, and we luckily both got cast. It's a very small cast. It's just four people and a pianist who also sort of interacts with the, with the cast. But the four of us got to be really close and we ended up doing the show more times than I can actually remember. We did it in Europe, we did it in Florida, we did it sort of all over. And, um, and so we got to see each other grow over the years of doing that show, both in the show and also as performers in our own rights. Um, we both at that point were developing our own shows. So uh, I was doing uh, cabaret shows as was Kevin. Um, and then I started, um, I, I have another company where we produce tribute shows that we tour all over the country. So I started doing um, my Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet show while Kevin was off doing his brilliant cabarets. And so it gave us a chance to sort of work off of each other, but not in each other's worlds as much. And then we came back together after having done, I think three more musicals together. I think it yeah, was- I think that's right. I think that's mm -hmm. right. So we we did three other musicals together, and then finally came back together and said, "Yeah, we have to we have to do this." Because <laughs> Kevin and I have what I think are really complementary skills. We, mm -hmm. we like to work in the same way. We both really believe that connecting with an audience is the ultimate goal of what we do. It's what we love, but we come at it from two different perspectives. Um, where Kevin is a music director, as well as being a brilliant singer and actor and performer. 
And so he has those skills of sitting behind the piano, knowing what it's like to deal with actors from both sides. And I am much more of a type A, like I said, business sort of oriented actor. So when we came together, it was like, oh, if you put the two of us together, we have a lot of skills that we think people might want to might want to learn from. So yeah, but having that, <laughs> that experience of touring around together, we got to know each other very quickly. <laughs> As I well, you know, you talk about the skills in performing arts and so forth. Of course, there are the skills of being able, you know, the vocal skills, the dancing skills and that sort of thing. But what are some of the other really important skills that the performing arts teach? Uh, teach to people not necessarily going into the performing arts. I think that there are uh, a lot of different things that, that being in the performing arts teaches us. Number one, for me, it's discipline. That idea of being consistent with what you are doing, understanding the process, and showing up every day. You know, whether it's I'm going to work on this for an hour today, uh, I'm going to work on this for ten minutes, uh, whatever it is, it's that discipline factor that can make or break a performer. So, but I think that's something that all of us can. Uh, can use, whether you're a, an artist, uh, an athlete, um, in management, whatever. I think that yeah. time management and, and that consistently, uh, consistency rather, um, I think that's a huge part of our skill set. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Natalie? Yeah, I think for me, knowing that actors and singers are brilliant communicators that our jobs are really based around taking an idea and translating it in a way that it will affect the audience or the other person that we're talking to. That communication skill is something that I don't think anyone does better than a great singer actor, if I do say so myself. Um, and we also, as professionals, we have to be aware of, if not involved in, every aspect of the business. So the production of how things get done. You have to be a great organizer. You have to be somebody who can take a lot of ideas and can distill them into a final product. I think that's really important. You have to work as a team. I mean, that's obviously, if you're gonna be in a cast, you, you have to know how to work with other people or you won't last very long. <laughs> there are very few divas still left in the business. These days, it's, there's no faster way to lose a job than to be hard to work with. So you have to be able to work as a team and to make the, you know, the, the whole better than the sum of its parts, you have to be able to make the other people that you're on stage with better, right? It's your job to make everybody look good, not just you. And yeah. these days, technology is also a big part of what we do. So now that we're living in a world where even today, I'm, I'm putting a self-tape down, which is a, a new thing that we're all expected to do in the industry. We have to know how to use the technology available to us to audition now, to um, actually create our own work. A lot of our students are creating their own films or their own, um, their own shorts that they're putting out into the world. So being able to use that technology um, purposely, purposefully um, I think is another aspect of the performing arts that translates into any industry out there. Yeah, you know, you, kids can learn that kind of thing even when they're 
participating in the performing arts in school and high schools and so forth. That's they, they get a lot of that sort of thing. You mentioned a little earlier um, that in your own lives uh, you started uh, you came, you, came to, you started to recognize that there were other things that you needed to learn, and you became. It, you, you, at least it sounded like you felt like that was a little bit of a weakness that you had and things you had to develop that led you to, to, uh, to start the connected performer. So take, us, take me through a little bit of uh, what were some of the first things you did, what motivated you to start this uh, um, organization, and, and also why Orlando? I think Orlando is a wonderful place, but tell us about, tell us about the genesis of uh, the business. Well, I know for, well, actually for both of us, I was going to say for me, but for both of us, when we emerged from our college programs, our college degrees, we were ready to, to hit the pavement and get out there and, you know, book the jobs. And we knew that, oh, it was just going to be one right after another. And unfortunately, what we both experienced is we got some great skills from our education. We, they helped us to get in touch with our instrument, our craft, understanding how to interact with people and be honest or show up in whatever performance that we're in. But it, at the end of it, when you graduate, it's like they're pushing you out of the nest and you don't know how to flap your wings. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was kind of a harsh reality when uh, you wake up the next morning and say, oh, Oh God, how do I how do I find these jobs and what do I do to build these relationships so I can get the job, right? I've got the skill, but I don't know how to use it to jumpstart this career. Um, and as far as Orlando goes, um, it's it's I just kind of found myself in Orlando eventually. I had been in Rhode Island. I was a musical director and intern coordinator for a theater group in Newport. Rhode Island, and uh, I got tired of the snow, so I came to Orlando, <laughs> and, you know, I just found it's a lovely community here, it's warm, I don't have to deal with the snow, um, and it, it just made sense, you know, I, I said I was a preacher's kid, I moved my entire life, it seems like every three, four years I was in some place different, so putting down roots here in Orlando just felt good. That's great. <laughs> Natalie, what, what, what was the motivation? What, how did you get started in the business? In It started in creating our own business, you mean? Yeah, in the connected performer. So Kevin and I, like we said, or like I was saying earlier, had worked together for a long time. And we had both been coaching in different ways. So I had gone back to Wake Forest University, and I was the guest vocal director for their musicals. Kevin has a studio that was an in-person vocal studio. And we knew that what we were seeing from the students that we were working with was that they were hyper-motivated. They really wanted to be in this career, but there was a gap. And we felt like if we could come together, we could make that gap. We could bridge that gap for them in a way that they weren't necessarily getting from other places. And we came together to do this. We started talking about it I believe in 2017, and we actually launched in 2018, well before the pandemic. 
Um, but we were both working actors and I was touring a lot. I was singing with symphonies and doing shows and touring my show. So I was all over the country um, as was Kevin for certain times of his year. And so we knew that we wanted to have a flexible studio, something where professionals like us could continue to work with a teacher or a coach, a mentor consistently because that consistency is so important no matter where they were. So we had this, what was then crazy idea of starting an entirely online studio for musical theater performers when no one knew what Zoom was, nobody, we had to talk people into an online platform. Like, how is this gonna work? What do you, can I sing online? Is this, are we, are you gonna be able to see me? How is this, I mean, looking back after this last year, it's amazing the learning curve that we used to have to take people on to get into the program. Whereas now we send people a Zoom link and they go, oh, okay, I'll be there on, you know, yeah. Thursday at 12 o'clock or whatever, it's nothing. Um, but so it was really important to us that we were able to work with other working professionals and that we could, again, stay consistent within a flexible format. And how do you do that? You do it online. Right. So we started this, what was at the time revolutionary idea of having an online musical theater coaching studio where we could cover all these bases with people while still allowing them to take a national tour. You know, back then when you could just hop on a plane, remember that? And you just go oh, yeah. wherever, <laughs> wherever the wind took you. Um, and we're about to see that happen again. And because our students have been working with us through this last crazy year and a half, um, they are so ready to hit the ground running now that things hopefully are starting to open back up. And so it's just proving our format once again that our students from all over the country have been able to, even if they were based in New York, leave and go home and be in Wichita, if that's where they are now, or North Carolina, or I have, a, you know, we have students all over the place, and they were able to stay consistent through the pandemic. Wow. So, wow. yeah. So now, now, what were the first sessions like? I mean, what was the first sessions when you did? I imagine it was quite a learning curve. And so what, what were they like? And, and, and what did you learn from the early, uh, efforts to do these online uh, coaching uh, sessions. We learned that tables are really important. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Amen. No, I was going to say, we actually practiced with each other. So we knew what to expect. <clears throat> because, you know, when we first started this crazy idea of the online studio, uh, we weren't 100% sure how it was going to work. So we had to kind of work out a few of the bugs. We had to change some of the verbiage so our clients could clearly understand what the process was and how this could be effective. So Natalie gave me a lesson. I gave her a lesson. And we just, we grew from there. That's I think we learned too pretty quickly. Oh, sorry, Charlie. Um, I was just going to say that we learned pretty quickly too the boundaries of the technology. So for example, on Zoom, there's an, an infinitesimal lag that if you're just having a conversation with someone, you don't really notice. But if you're trying to sing is the, the killer of all things music online, right? So that lag makes it so that if Kevin, for example, is playing something, 
it won't line up with what I'm singing in real time because of that short little yeah. lag. I've run into that. I've seen that. That's how did you? Yeah. How, did you how have you resolved that? How did you still have that issue? Or? That was actually that was a a, a fairly simple uh, problem that we were able to solve. It's we the clients work with backing tracks. Uh, they record their song or their audition cut and they play it so where they can hear it, usually on their phone, um, because it's obviously more important for us to hear them, how they're producing sound and what they are doing. So as long as they hear the music, it's good. So backing tracks or karaoke tracks or whatever it is you can get your hands on if you've got a friend that can play the piece for you. And sometimes we offer that as well. Um, now yeah, that's it. That's... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you mentioned, uh... In, in what you in some of your materials that you you provide structure to these young people you know tell me about that what do you mean by providing structure so being the type a person organizational freak that i am i love the idea of structure it's not for everybody and it's not everybody's bent especially in creative industries right there, I think that there is a fallacy that creative types can't get it together, right? That it's one or the other, that you either have all this freedom of creativity or you have the structure of being able to organize yourself in a way that makes sense. And what we do is, again, try to bridge that gap by providing a very specific system of how we work. And it's a repeatable system. So once you learn how to take a song and connect to it in a real, honest, truthful way where you can make the other person, whether that's your scene partner or the audience care about what you're talking about, once you know how to do that, then you can repeat it on just about any style or genre of music in the same way. So providing a system that allows people to go in and say, okay, I have this brand new song. I've never sung this, I don't know, I've never done a musical theater song before, right? I'm a pop singer, I'm coming to musical theater. How do I connect to that song? You know how to do it, right? Because we've laid that out for you. And then you can do it again and again. And also, if we have clients that are working with us, um, in our studio, they also have the consistency of working with us throughout the month and throughout the year. And with that, we have in those sessions, we lay out specific homework for lack of a better word between sessions so that they know exactly what they're doing between now and when they see us next. So it doesn't feel so ambiguous, which is what I think this career can start to do because you're on your own path for the most part. It's not like working for a company is very much you're, you're an entrepreneur right so it's very much about having to figure out what to do with yourself every day when you wake up and having someone else to also be on that path with you i mean charlie you know as a as a career coach right that having somebody who can say oh i see the path for you and i can lay out some steps to get you there when you yourself haven't quite figured that out yet can be a huge help and that's what we do with a lot of our clients Wow, and you know, I, I suspect you run into uh, situations a lot of times where young people lack confidence in themselves. I mean, they have these, we all have this saboteur built into us called the judge that says, oh, you're not good enough. You know, you're not good enough. And it's always whispering in your ear. 
So what are some of the things that you do to help these young people build that confidence in themselves and, and silence that saboteur? That, I love this question because this is basically what we're all about. That, that whole idea of that inner voice, that, that inner podcast that's going on in our head constantly, we have to learn how to kind of turn that down or tune it out. One of the major things that we work with all of our clients is to understand their instrument, understanding that what they are doing, uh, their instrument is very unique to them. So instead of them trying to put on the, the costume of another person, finding that connectivity, finding that connection from that individual, from our client to that character. Uh, I think it was Meryl Streep who, who said that every single character that she's done, there is a huge part of herself that is that character. So we really work with our clients to help them tap into that. That helps with the connectivity, the honesty, or the truthfulness of their performance. And if you understand that this is your, your body, I'm pointing to my body like people can see. Um, <clears throat> if you understand that this body that we have is your instrument, that's a very empowering tool. Um, I think, and Natalie, you can jump in on this too. But I think that whole idea of, gosh, I can't even put this into words. Natalie, jump in. Yeah, I, as we work with our clients, we see them bloom every time. And it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of, to watch someone who feels like they know inside that this is what they're meant to do, but they're too afraid mm -hmm. almost of their own greatness to watching them embrace what they can do. And part of that is, again, like Kevin was saying, we are here to help you become the best you you can be. We're not trying to get you to become someone else. And I think a lot of our trepidation as performers is that we so desperately want to make people happy. That's part of what makes us great performers. It's part of what drives us to continue when things are really hard is that we love performing for an audience or bringing them to tears or whatever it is that brings us to the stage. But what that can, the flip side of it that is hard is that often what it makes us feel is that we're not enough because we have to put on, like Kevin was saying, the, the clothes of that character. And if you can continually in small bites, learn how to put yourself out there as you being enough over and over again in those little ways, I think that it makes you a performer, first of all, and yeah. makes you more compelling to watch. And as they have the little wins along the way of realizing that being vulnerable and putting themselves out there in a real way works, the self-confidence continues to grow because you see that it's, it's working and it's scary but you have to push the boundaries or nothing ever grows. So, and we're also, we're not, I wouldn't say we're harsh with our clients. We're not, we're, we, we certainly hold a container for them to grow and we support them. But we also expect that the reason why we're here is to get them to the next level of their career. So that, as you know, probably better than anyone, it only happens as you push outside of your comfort zone. So we will continue to create 
a, a really private, safe space where they can fail over and over and over again in the studio so that they can find those wins, which is what creates the self-confidence to then be able to go do it in front of other people. So you have to, that's why having the consistency of being in the studio is so important. That's amazing. And you know, you think about uh, young people who participate in the performing arts where they're in things like high school and so forth. They're the ones that generally seem to have a lot of confidence. And uh, it's amazing that even people who uh, have taken their college degrees and majored, majored, it, majored in that sort of thing later on when they hit the real world need that boost in confidence as well. I mean, it's, it's quite amazing. And you know, you uh, mentioned earlier on when you got out of college and you went to New York and you did this and you know, there's, it's, it's kind of like you, you have 10 things to do in the day and four are critical and real important and you've got to figure out which four they are. How, you know, so you talk about uh, helping um, young people, these performing arts artists uh, make the best use of their time. How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, we set them up with, uh, like Natalie was talking, a process. So say the average actor has uh, uh, an audition at the end of the week, right? How do you prepare for that? How do you set up the best use of your time to do that? Uh, so we help them to choose material, help them to understand that they have to choose material that is appropriate to not only what they are auditioning for, but to them. I don't know why it is so difficult. Yeah, I do actually. I know why this is difficult, but trying to get across to people that they don't have to be what they think that casting director wants to see, because what they have to offer is infinitely more interesting than trying to put on that character, right? Trying to be something that they're not. So we spend a lot of, of the time encouraging them, giving them that under, underpinning that they are enough and we wanna see you in that process. So once they've figured out what they're doing uh, for the audition, we work with them in getting a perfect audition cut, something that shows them off without going too extreme. And uh, we help them really touch base with who they are as that character. Mm -hmm. I think preparation is a big portion of that too. Uh, yep. Kevin was just touching on parts of our system that allow an actor, because we have typically these highs and lows within our days and also within our careers of when things are just popping along and you've got four auditions in one day and you've got to run to a show that night and then you're recording a beautiful podcast the next morning and then you're on an interview with someone else and then you'll be sitting in your bedroom for three months wondering why there are no auditions coming in and twiddling your thumbs and wondering if you have had imposter syndrome since you were born, right? And so as we are in those highs and lows of our careers, I think it's important to also feel like not only do you have to be able to prioritize in a day, which is highly important, but also have to prioritize over the long-term because we are looking at creating actors who are gonna be here in the business long-term. Yeah. And that's a real mindset shift for a lot of people, especially in this current culture of everything coming to you so fast and stars are made 
quote unquote overnight, which never has happened in the history of the world, by the way. No one has been made a star overnight that stuck around for any length of time. So what they've got to do and what we do, Kevin and I in our own lives, is try to create that balance that happens in a, in a harmony over the space of maybe a year rather than in a week. And in that time, being taking, like I said, the preparation time during what can feel like downtime um, and turning that into really productive downtime, for lack of a better word, that then creates the space where, like Kevin was saying, if you have an audition at the end of the week, rather than what a lot of actors are doing is choosing their audition material when they see the audition come out and then prepping it during that week, having a really beautifully put together book of audition material that you've worked on for months in that downtime so that when you see the audition come out, you know, oh, all I have to do is go to the sheet that I have written down all the, you know, preparation that I did for this. I can recall it, spend a day or two working on it, and I'm ready to go. And I walk in and I know exactly what I'm going to do. It takes some of that trepidation out and it also makes it so that your time is managed in a very different way than scrambling all over the place when yeah. you haven't spent your downtime doing something productive. Yeah, right. Well, hey, you know, you said something a little while ago that really rang a bell and started ringing several bells, actually. You mentioned it, uh, connecting with a song. You know, and that word connect radiates a little bit because you have it in the title of your organization, The Connected Performer. And also you list as one of the goals is to, obvious, enable young performers to build connected performances. So describe that a little bit more. I thought that was really interesting when you talked about connecting to a song. Let's talk connect. All right, connecting to your song. It, it really kind of stems from the audience point of view. An audience can spot a phony a mile away, right? So we've seen many performers on stage singing beautifully, doing their thing, but nothing is really registering behind those eyes, right? So that immediately says to us, there is a disconnect happening between that actor and that material. So the idea of connecting to the material is, is finding those, those moments before that launch you into the piece, making that surrounding very realistic um, and understanding who they are singing to. Uh, I think the, the default for performers is to see the back wall and sing to the back wall. Well, you're singing to an inanimate object. So yeah. there's really no flow that happens between you and that wall other than the sound production. Yeah. However, if that actor is seeing that person who they are speaking to, who they are singing these words to, they understand how that person is reacting to what they're saying. And so now, instead of just a song that's hitting the audience like a flounder in the face, now this sound is enveloping this person that they see and drawing them towards them. Oh. I, I had a... I had a professor who gave me that analogy years ago, and I've used it ever since then. Our sound is like these arms that's reaching out, and instead of pushing against an audience, it's drawing them closer to us. It's that interpersonal you know, uh, interaction. 
And that's what makes a real and honest performance. So that's how we connect. Wow, you know, the, uh, do, do each of you, when you perform uh, and you have a live audience in front of you, uh, pick somebody out or pick a group out and, and connect with them? Is that a trick that you use? I don't want to call it a trick because that's, that, that's probably what I would use. Do you do that or what? For me, it really depends on the performance. So if you were in, let's say, a, like a full book musical where you have other people that are on stage with you and you're able to use them as your scene partner, as opposed to when I'm singing with a symphony and I'm literally just singing out to the audience and there's no one else but me standing on stage, yeah. it's a different way of working. Um, but if we just talk about the concert sort of style, even if it's within a musical where you're singing just straight out to the audience, um, there have been times when I have connected with a real person in the audience or people, various people. Um, I don't think for me, I ever stay on one person too long because that almost, and we talk about this in the audition process too. What it does is it then makes that other person feel responsible for what you're doing, right? Like they have to then give you energy or be your scene partner. And is one of the things that we're always working on with our clients is it is wholly our responsibility to bring the energy to the performance, right? So I never wanna make somebody else feel like they have to be my scene partner. But I do think that having, it's the thing that we miss the most about live performance is the exchange of energy in that space between a crowd of people who are experiencing something along with the performers at the same time. And there's no substitute for that in, in the world. There just isn't, I, I can't, I'm so sorry that everyone doesn't get to experience what we do on stage <laughs> because it is, it's otherworldly, right? Um, but I think for me, I have, when I step on stage and I know Kevin, is the same because again we work very similarly and we've gotten to watch each other work so i know that we do this in a similar way we have a a whole scenario worked out for ourselves as to how we've connected to this song prior to stepping on stage i know what it means to me i know the story that i'm about to tell within the song whether that's a pop song if it's a fast song a slow song a classical song doesn't matter i have done the work of filling that container of the song up with all the storytelling that I want to do. And then I step on stage and just let it happen. It's, there's nothing, I've done all the planning before I got there. And then you just get to see how it goes if you've done your work properly. Yeah. And it's really, it's exhilarating and it's frightening every single time. If you really let yourself do that and be in the moment. It's something we talk about a lot in the performing arts is being in the moment, yeah. which is just the scariest and loveliest feeling in the world. And something that I think we're kind of losing in the digital age. We're not in the moment as often as we are when we're just out living our own lives, but doing that in front of a bunch of people and knowing that it's always possible that you can fail, but the yeah. more you do it, the better chance you have of getting it right. Um, is really spectacular. Yeah, it's that yeah. element of vulnerability. Yeah. Okay, now let's, you know, one of the things that we have with this podcast, we've got an audience that uh, consists, there's an awful lot of young people out there that 
I don't know how many have just recently graduated from a four-year program, a Bachelor of Fine Arts or something like that, but suppose that there are, and suppose you got on an elevator with one of these people and you're gonna ride up, you know, 34 stories somewhere, and they asked you, uh, they said, I'm, uh, you say, what do you, uh, you do? I'm, I'm uh, in the performing arts. What can you do for me? And so give your, give your little quick elevator speech for, for what, you know, why they should uh, connect with you. I mean, I'm sold, but sell this for uh, kid. <laughs> so this kid is just getting on the elevator. Great. So Charlie, you're about to sign up for your first session, right? You're going to come in and sing for us next oh, week. Oh, that what? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. You're in. Perfect. We love that. Excellent. <laughs> well, for somebody who hasn't quite uh, decided if they're in or not, if we meet someone who is along the path of becoming a professional performer, they do not have to be ready. Being ready is not what we're looking for. What we're looking for is someone who is passionate about the performing arts and is willing to see if they can take their skill set to the next level. We're going to do that by helping them to connect to their instruments. So having spectacular technique, both in acting and singing, we're going to help them by connecting to their material, like we talked about before, making a real honest, truthful story out of whatever material they have, whether that's spoken or sung. And we're going to help them to connect to the industry. So we want you to know who the key players are in whatever piece of this industry you want to be a major player in. So we're going to do all of that without making you try to make them happy all the time. We don't want you to care so much about what everyone else wants. We want you to figure out what you want. And then we want to help you create a path that will get you to that life that you think is the most beautiful life you can lead in the performing arts. Very good. We just reached the 34th floor. <laughs> the elevator speech was fantastic. Let's sign, let's sign you up for let's sign you up for your first session. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and another thing that you mentioned earlier on that caught my ear is that you're teaching them to be the CEOs of their own business. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, in, in just just a few words, they're going to be the CEO of their performing arts business. You know that sort of thing. Now, now, if you were to also. Uh, be giving a high school graduation speech, you know, and to uh, a whole bunch, you know, to 300 young graduates, most of whom will not go into the performing arts, but you wanted to tell them two or three golden nuggets that you get out of your performing arts experience that, uh, what would those things be? Well, I think the number one uh, thing that they would get from it is just being comfortable in front of a group of people. It's that whole public speaking um, element. You know, so many of us uh, have this fear of being in front of a group of people and expressing our minds. So that confidence in being able to to lead or to speak in front of people is, for me, the number one. Um, and the, uh, another piece would be uh, being able to think quickly, thinking on your feet. Uh, I know that um, a lot of these corporations bring in improv teachers, improvisational teachers, and take their, their corporate people through these exercises on learning how to interact quickly. Um, and 
the third is just being in the performing arts, going back to what I said before, it's, it's about discipline. So the performing arts really do teach us about good, positive habits, you know, getting up in the morning and, and working out or uh, later in the day, focusing on your vocals, warming up, practicing, and then maybe working on uh, a monologue or the show that you're working on. So the public speaking, building the confidence, the uh, quickness on the feet, that improv ability, and those good habits. Those are, those are three of the main things that I think that anybody can get from the performing arts yeah. to use in their own discipline. Yeah. Anything to add, Natalie? Yeah, I think that storytelling is key. It's yeah. key in business. Having that story to tell about whatever the product or service is that you offer in a way that puts the other person front and center, right? How are you helping? How are you able to make their problem better? And that storytelling is something that Anyone can go out and take a level one acting class in whatever city they're in, and it will help. Um, I think too, as if you, if you were a professional actor, like I mentioned earlier, and like we were talking about being the CEO of your own company, it puts you in the driver's seat of making decisions in every aspect of your life and career. Yeah. I have to wake up every morning and decide how I'm going to show up in my own business through marketing, through sales, through finance, through anything that you do in a company, time management, right? Sure. Um, and the thing is that the world, unfortunately, doesn't ever need another actor, right? There are plenty. So if I don't show up to work as an actor ever again, no one is going to come knocking on my door saying, hey, where were you today? Yes. So what it takes is the fire of that passion to do it every day because you have to be super hyper self-motivated. So if you can find that within yourself and apply it to anything you want to do, it will make you better at everything you put yourself into. So now uh, many of these young people and even some of our listeners and so forth will say, hey, I like this stuff. How do I get in touch with Natalie and, and Kevin? So come on, tell me how to, how to get in touch with you. Well, you know, in this day and age, that is so easy. They just have to go to theconnectedperformer.com. We are on Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, all of these social media, Twitter. We're on these social media platforms. So, but go to theconnectedperformer.com. And if you are interested, we encourage you greatly to sign up for a session to see what we're about and how we can help you out. That's really important, you know, to be able to have the opportunity to sign up for a session and just test the waters, you know. Mm -hmm. That's that's really a, that's really a nice thing. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I want to really thank you, uh, Natalie and, and Kevin, for for being our guest today. And I I want to personally wish you the best of luck in what you're doing because I do think it's it's so important not only for young people who are starting out in the profession, but also for young people who are getting an education and entering any career. And I wanna thank all of the rest of you that are listening today. Uh, 
We'll see you soon on another episode of It's All About Skills. Thank you for listening to this episode of All About Skills. To learn more information about the critical skills, be sure to visit itsallaboutskills.com for access to resources like blogs, field studies, published books, and more about how to learn, how to use, and how to teach this important content. That's exclusively available on itsallaboutskills.com. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode so we can continue to help you learn, master, and excel by using critical skills right here on All About Skills.